Hi everyone, welcome to Aberrant Behavior. I'm your host, Christabel. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how to be actively anti-racist. I hear a lot of people say, but I'm not racist. Um, I don't think I'm superior to anyone. So I'm not racist. And in fact, I don't see color, (laughs) you know, and that should be enough. Well, honestly, let me tell you what many people will not bother to tell you. That is below the bare minimum. Not being racist is the least, literally the very least you can do. It is high time we all began to see the importance of being actively anti-racist. That means as we navigate life on a day-to-day basis, we are doing the work of liberating black people, amplifying black voices because our future depends on it. If you look across the country, in all 50 states, there are anti-racist protests going on. People are angry. Black people are angry. Black people are frustrated. Black people are tired of having to um, explain to you why they don't feel they don't feel comfortable living in America. They don't feel safe living in America. They don't know if the next time they walk out of their house would be the last time. They are, they are fearful for their sons, their mothers, their, their daughters, their fathers. They are scared. And they've always been scared of living in this country. To you as a white person or a person of color, when uh, the police pulls you over or when you call 911, you have a different experience than a black person. You, I believe, feel that the police are truly there to protect and serve Black people have never felt this about the police. So when you are that Amy Cooper in, the, in Central Park who calls the police on a black man, even her, even her, she knew what she was doing. She knew that oftentimes it means the death sentence of that black man. We saw, when we saw what happened with George Floyd and that police officer, knowing fully well he was being recorded, but kept his knee on his neck for eight minutes, not caring of the consequences to him personally, that should show you the extent to which racism is rampant. And it is not, it's not Donald Trump either. He is just one man. Yes, he may be racist, but he is just one man. That police officer 
could see that he was being filmed and he kept going because he understood that that what you don't seem to understand, that there are no consequences for killing black people in this country. So you're not being racist is not enough. We need you to be anti-racist. And this is also not, you don't get a cookie for this. We like black people need you to do something more than feel bad or feel guilty that a black person was murdered on camera. We need you to change the conversations you're having on a day-to-day basis. Let me just talk to you from my personal experience. I'm able to do this podcast, record it, do this labor, because I am not as labored as my African-American counterpart. I am an African who came to the U.S. just 14 years ago. I was 21 years old when I came here. I didn't have a concept of racism. In Ghana, we are faced with, um, and other African countries, we're faced with um, uh, tribalism and classism, but never racism. Yes, tribalism and classism all have roots in white supremacy, but when it comes to actual racism, I did not grow up with that concept because 99.9% of people who I grew up around looked like me. So I was never told I couldn't accomplish something because of the color of my skin. It was always education will get you out of poverty. So go to school and become whatever you want to be because you can be whatever you want to be. And that is the I, that is what brought me to America because I knew that given the opportunity, I could work and I, I had that belief that I could work and, and make it and lift my family out of poverty. So that is such a privileged standpoint to come from. And that is why I have this ability. I'm not as tired of having these conversations as my black American counterparts who grew up in this country and have been told from day one that they are less than. Images in in media, in music, in movies, at school, at church, at, you know, at work. So... They live, they have lived this on a day-to-day basis and they're tired of educating you. So no, don't go to your black friend asking them, how can you help? Do the work of educating yourself. I had to do that work of educating myself because it was no longer okay for me to go about saying, oh, of course I'm black. Of course I'm not racist. I just know, you know, I, it wasn't enough to do that because I was complacent in so many ways. For instance, like when I first moved to the U.S., I lived in Chicago and um, I worked for I, I did a, I did live in caregiving and I worked for uh, rich, white, Jewish families in the suburbs of Chicago. So those families would say things like, 
oh, I can tell you're not from here. You speak so well. You enunciate your words and you just sound very intelligent. And I would take that as a compliment. And they would say things like, one woman actually said to me, if only you could learn how to say ask instead of ax, you can go very far. Because when you say ax, you sound like them. So yeah, of course, I didn't feel that I couldn't, I I didn't feel that I was being discriminated against. Looking back now, I can see how incredibly racist those remarks were. But in that moment, I was just reveling in my, in my, oh, I'm educated. Look at me. Even the white people see that I'm educated and I'm going to become something one day. So ignorant or not, by not speaking up then, I was perpetrating harm because I did not stop that woman from, if I had told her that was not okay, I would have stopped her in that moment from perpetrating that kind of harm on another black person. So first of all, I'm speaking to fellow Africans. This battle is your battle. It's all of our battles. Don't even for a moment think that you're exempt because trust me, when that police officer pulls you over, you may not have the time to showcase how you don't speak Ebonics and how you're just so respectable, respectful and how you're the good black person. To them, you're black. And um, people of color, like I work with so many Filipino nurses, and I'm not saying every Filipino is not anti-black. I'm saying the conversations I've had with, with a lot of my fellow co-workers revolve, against, uh, revolve around I came to this country with nothing. Look at me making something of myself. Why can't they just stop playing the race card? Races, I mean, slavery was so long ago. Why can't they just become something? You need to stop saying those things. You need to stop, period. Because until you have grown up in a country where your ancestors for 200 and something years, 280 something years were slaves, and then for 89 years after that were segregated, and then following that redlined, um, incarcerated at higher percentages, until you have lived that life, you don't have any leg to stand on to tell black people how they should be or how they should not be. Until you have learned the racist, um, the racist origins of gentrification and why 40% of incarcerated people are African-Americans, even though they make up only 13% of the population, what laws and, and policies are keeping them, like, until you have learned that, you cannot begin to question a black person's experience in this country. So people of color, African, other Africans, white people, and honestly, I'm just going to say this. 
if you're a white person who is from America and you grew up in this country, I really don't know what your excuse is. I don't know how you could not have seen that racism exists. But hey, I know there are a few of you who are just just so ignorant. Well, this is me telling you enough is enough. Your ignorance is not enough. And if you keep telling the story of you don't see race and you're going to raise your children not to see race and black people are telling you that is not the way to do it and you just want to insist on not seeing race, you are part of the problem. It's not all love and light. That is not enough. I need you to... When your boss is picking on your black coworker, let's say you, you initially don't see it as them picking on your coworker because they're black. And your black coworker comes up to you and says, My, your boss is picking on me because I'm black. I need you to believe them. So that the next time the, your boss is picking on them, you can speak up and say, stop picking on her because she's black. Put, like, be willing to risk something. Talk to your children at the dinner table how to recognize their privilege, how to, how to leverage their privilege for the sake of other black people. Do that work. Do it actively. Do not look for um, a pat on the back. Do it when nobody can see. At the dinner table, when you find yourself having to clutch your bag a little, a little tighter because a black person is walking by, ask yourself why. Begin to actively rid your mind and your thoughts of anti-black rhetoric because you're not immune to the socialization that all of us face. The whole world is anti-black. The rules, the rules in place, the rules of professionalism, the rules of just name it, is anti-black in nature because black people were, were never, are not in those conference rooms. They're not part of, they were never part of policymakers. So the things that feel like, oh, well, that, that's just a rule. Ask yourself, how did that rule come about? How is that rule benefiting me? Inherently benefiting me. And I'm talking to you as a white person. Like, because we can't, I feel like we're having these conversations and we're just like bypassing each other without understanding the f that this battle is for all of us to fight. So the bare minimum is you calling out a murder for what it is. When you witnessed George Floyd get killed and you did not speak up, but rather decide to speak up on the, on the um, looting um, that has come about due to the protests, you should realize that that is anti-black as fuck. Like I, as a black person, can, be, can recognize that I have anti-blackness in me. But you, as a white person who is actively benefiting from white supremacy, tells me, oh yeah, no, I, I don't, mm -mm, no, not me. I am so not anti-black at all. Oh, what are you talking about? That statement alone tells me that 
you don't get it. So, yeah. Educate yourself. Use that education to go into, into um, your communities. Use that education to raise your children to see color, to see, teach them how they can use their privilege to help black people. That's what we should be teaching our children. And another thing that I have, another thing that I have come across is when I would talk to people about, you know, racism, um, they would say, I'm not racist. Then I'll bring up the fact that you may not be personally racist, but systemic racism um, keeps black people oppressed. And so one example I'll bring up is, like I mentioned before, 40% of incarcerated people in America are black people. And um, black people make up only 13% of the population. What would you say about that? And they would say, well, I don't know. I just feel like maybe don't, people should not commit crimes and so they won't be arrested. Honey, that is really, really racist. I know you don't think you're racist, but the fact, think of it, the fact that you think that the reason why 40% of people who are in prison are black people is because they're committing crimes and should get punished if that's the punishment for the crime means that you are unwilling to address the fact that the prison system is inherently anti-black. The laws and the way black people are, are prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, whereas their white counterparts are not, if you can't understand that that is inherently racist and that the system is inherently racist. So what you're telling me is you think that black people have a higher propensity for crime? Because, I mean, what else are you saying when you say, well, it must be right that 40% of people who are in prison are black people that just might must be right because we live in a just system. Oh, so that's why you clutch your bag a little tighter, right? Because you just believe that black people are inherently um, prone to crime or inherently aggressive. That's why, and you know, I'm talking also as a nurse, that's why um, in the medical field, black, black mothers, pregnant Black mothers are dying at such a higher percentage than anyone else. They're not being taken seriously because, yeah, you know, black people, they can handle pain better. Oh, look, that black patient was really aggressive. It's like, man, this stuff is so deeply, deeply interwoven that you don't, I believe that you don't even see it. But here is me telling you to wake up and see it. Because I understand that the benefits you get by being proximal to whiteness. But trust me, 
the scale on which people are judged from white being the best and black being the worst, you too are being judged on that scale. So until you demand that that scale be done away with, your liberation will not come about. Yes, you, you, made, you made something of yourself and now you can feed your family back home. Okay, and then what? Is that, is that just, what else do you want? As a human being, who should care about just everyone being free? So how can you, what are certain things you can do? First of all, you have to let go of the egotistical need of not being seen as racist. Yes, we believe you. You're not racist. Now, now what? Okay, moving on. Let's go on. Like, what, what's next? Right? Not being racist is not enough. You have to be actively anti-racist. Pick up a book. Many books, in fact. Educate yourself. Educate your family, on the racist past and present of America. Education is the key because once you see this stuff, you can't unsee it. Once you learn how um, black neighborhoods are being policed heavily and how just like, oh my gosh, it's a Pandora's box. Every legislation, every, everything that is being done in this country is intrinsically linked to anti-blackness because that is the foundation. That is the very foundation on which this country was, was built. And just like black people still, you know, have to deal with that with the effects of anti-blackness, white people are benefiting from the gain of white supremacy. So if you're one such white person, which every white person is, who is benefiting from white supremacy, you need to be willing to give up some of that privilege. You have to be willing to lose something Yes, speaking up is hard. Speaking up in places like work and your family and your church and your schools is hard. You may be fired. You may lose your job. You may, you may lose the love of your family members. But human decency demands that you do this work. And do not wait until you see another black person killed on camera to do this work. Begin to notice anti-blackness in movies and the media. Once, as I said, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Then again, help your family and friends to see it too. When black people tell you something is racist... Believe us. When we tell you that that thing that just happened that you absolutely thought meant nothing was racist, believe us. And then ask, actually, don't ask. And then use your white privilege 
to fight for us, to speak up for us. Teach your kids to see color. I know I've said this before. I'm saying it again and I'll continue saying it. Not seeing color is not the solution. In fact, it is the problem. See color. See black people for who they are. Teach your kids to see black people for who they are. Teach them to use their privilege as white people to elevate black people. Again, it's just common human decency. Oh, another part that I want to talk about is use black to refer to black people. Black is not a bad word. Your hesitancy about using the word black shows me and other black people what you think of blackness. You may not realize you think black equals bad because a lot of this stuff is subconscious conditioning. But trust me when I tell you, what did I say about trusting black people again? Exactly. Trust me when I tell you that your hesitancy to using black as a description for me when I am fully and proudly black is anti-black. So stop doing that. Anytime you're tempted to say, oh, African-American, say black. I challenge you to. You can do this. I believe in you. Um, so those are the things I just wanted to talk about briefly. We're split in, 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 in a matter that I, I just don't see that there's any, <laughs> any reason to be split because everyone should want the death of white supremacy. Everyone should want the death of any institution that upholds white supremacy. And law enforcement in all its facets upholds white supremacy. White policemen should not be heavily policing black neighborhoods. Like, how do you not see how racist and anti-black that is? Um, there's so much to talk about on this subject matter. And while I said that I have the energy because I'm African and not African-American to do some educating on this. Trust me when I say that that energy has limits because ultimately I am still black. And every day I am faced with um, people's desire to make me a little less black. 
Christabel, you're so loud. Christabel, why do you talk with your hands so much? Christabel, why do you walk like that? Christabel, why do you dress like that? Every day, at work and out of work, I have to fight to keep my blackness intact because I am a proud black woman and the energy and the effort it takes for me to keep being a a proud black woman is a lot. So I too get tired. I too get worn out. Um, So I can only talk about this uh, so much before I just want to you know, get in a ball and cry because it is, it is heartbreaking. Um, and I just want it to end. <laughs> I want, I want it to end. And I recognize that we all have to be on board. We're fighting a common enemy as far as I'm concerned. White supremacy is our common enemy. Anti-blackness is our common enemy. And I want us to join hands and fight this fight. Before I go, I'm going to address an issue that came up in the last week between me and a popular um, Instagram psychologist. If you've listened to any of my previous uh, podcast episodes, you know that I have heavily recommended Dr. Nicole LaPera of The Holistic Psychologist so many times because her work on inner child um, trauma, inner child reparenting, and ego work was has been really beneficial to me. So I recommended her work a lot because of that. So when everything happened with George Floyd, she hadn't spoken up about it. So I had gone on her page and messaged her asking her how come she hasn't spoken up about this issue. And she wrote me in my DMs and said that she basically asked me how to help her help me. How can I help her help me and other black people like me? And I said to her, you're a doctorate prepared psychologist who had who was trained in the US how come you don't know any resources or you can't provide any resources for your black um audience who are facing trauma and re-traumatization in this country uh, how come you don't have how come you don't have any resources to share and she says well, it was just a bunch of gaslighting and condescend, condescending conversation ending with her offering to buy me lunch. And I waited like 24 hours to see if she was going to speak up on it. She did not speak up. She reposted a post by Jada um, without any... She didn't 
write anything in her own words. And I just thought that was very dismissive. So I proceeded to share um, the conversation between me and her with everyone. And I've received a lot of support since then, for which I am grateful, I guess, for. But at the same time, I feel like this shouldn't have happened in the first place. If you're a white therapist who lives in America and you're not culturally competent, you're not prepared to provide services for black people, I sincerely hope that you're not taking on black clients because if you are, you're causing more harm than good. And we are still working to get black people, more black people into therapy. And if for them to come to therapy and sit on your couch, when you know that you are ill-equipped to cater to their needs, You need to say, I am ill-equipped. I don't have the capability. I think it's incredibly harmful if you are white and take on black clients and you are not culturally competent, deeply culturally competent. You should put a disclaimer. Do not come to me. I cannot help you deal with your trauma because guess what? Meditating and journaling is not sufficient to um, help people who are suffering from anti-black trauma. It's not enough help. You have to provide care directed towards them specifically. And hey, if you feel like your education did not prepare you for that, Just be upfront about it. I'm a white therapist for white people only. You know, like a disclaimer will be good. Or if you're a therapist and who who is white or a person of color, take the time to educate yourself deeply on how to be an anti-racist therapist so you can help clients, black people who come to you for help. And that is all I have to say about that. Um, Thank you for listening. Let's continue this conversation. It's a necessary conversation and there's no, no time for personal anguish when we have a bigger enemy to fight. Let's just be clear that it is an enemy we all have in common. White supremacy does not serve you. Proximity to whiteness does not serve you. Anti-blackness harms you. Let's all get in there. Let's all get in there and do the work that we need to do. Until next time.